Hello everybody, Steve Brooks here. Welcome to Wednesday's Inside Look by Brooks. I'm joined today by my co-host, Beach Brooks III. How you doing, Beach? Doing pretty well. How are you, Steve? I'm doing good. Um, I'm struggling with my voice a little bit, but it's coming back. And uh, glad to hear it. Thank you, thank you. So uh, we have some questions, some really good questions by some of our viewers from prior episodes. You want to take the first one? Yeah, the first question is from Beth today, and it says, does being in an accident affect my credit score? Before I answer that once again, um, all these questions, uh, we're going to answer them to the best of our ability, but a lot of them we're going to we typically need more information to get the best advice. But if your credit score could be affected by an auto accident, especially if you've um, gone to the hospital or sought any medical treatment. A lot of the times, uh, people will pay their medical expenses out of any settlement or recovery. Um, and if they do not hire an attorney where the attorney can get that bill um, basically put in attorney status, um, the hospital could send it to collections. Um, so that's part of our job is what we handle here is making sure that we take care of any medical bills or liens that are out there um, after a car crash. And we will pay all those upon the conclusion of your case. And we will work with the medical providers a lot of times to get those put into attorney status where they're not sent to collections and they're not affecting your credit score and the client's not having to pay any of that out of pocket. Do you like to add anything there, Steve? Sure, that, that's a that's good inside beach. And um, I think one thing to remember is after an accident, you're going to need medical care in most cases. At Brooks Law Group, we have many, many doctors that we have worked with over the years that we trust, and they they are not going to work with you and and bill you every month. They are going to work with us and hold the bill until the end of the case, and. Uh, and we resolve out of the settlement. So, you know, if you if you try to do your case on your own and, and you go see your own doctors, many times those doctors aren't set up for delayed billing and they will send you the collections and that will affect your, your credit score. And that's something that is, you know, pivotal what we do here, Steve, that you just mentioned, is a lot of times, you know, after a crash, someone's seriously injured and they're not able to work or they've missed work. And unfortunately, after a crash, bills don't stop coming in, mortgages aren't, aren't you know, don't, you can't pause your mortgage, rents still do. Um, and so the last thing people need to be worried about is paying medical doctors, um, where we work with medical providers to push off any payment until the conclusion of the case, um, so people can, you know, take care of everything else in their life. Um, and we'll worry about the legal side to make sure everyone gets paid. Yeah. You want to read number two? Yeah, number, the second question is from Matt. It says, I'm a pretty apologetic guy. I'm scared that if I get in a crash, I'll automatically say I'm sorry, even if I'm not the one at fault. What's the worst that could happen if I apologize? So my take on that is don't apologize. But if you're an apologizing kind of person, a caring person, even though the other driver is at fault, it doesn't mean you can't care for that person if they're hurt. So you would go up to them and say, are you all right? Is there anything I can do for you while we're waiting for an ambulance to arrive? But if you apologize, if you say, I'm so sorry, 
that person is going to tell their insurance company and their insurance company is going to use that against you. And when you're asked that in court or in deposition, being a caring, good person, you're not going to lie. You're going to say, yes, I did say, I apologize. So it just, it makes the water murkier to keep the water clear. Don't apologize. Yeah. Um, we have something in Florida, which is an exception to hearsay. Hearsay is any um, communication or statement made outside of court that's not under oath. But there are exceptions to that. And one of them is admissions by a party opponent um, or an excited utterance. So if you say, I'm sorry, after a crash, you know, that could lead to some issues, as you say, down the road. But what I would say um, is there are other factors we look into, you know, if it's a rearing collision, liability should not be an issue. But as you said, Steve, it's probably best to sort of just ask the other person how they're doing um, and sort of not make any acknowledgments or apologies at, at the scene of the accident until you're able to talk to us um, and we're able to clear up anything that needs to be said. Good. And thanks for referring to the, the law. Uh, that's helpful. All right. So number three is an interesting question here, Steve. It's from Amber. It says, I just got in a car crash and my dog was riding in the car with me. I had some small injuries, but my dog fell out of the seat and got hurt. Can I recover anything for the vet bills? So the short answer is yes, you can. Your dog is like your phone. It's your property. And I don't mean to, I mean, a dog is obviously much more to each person than a phone, but legally it's just your property. So you would, you should be able to recover your vet bills. You would not be able to recover, you know, pain and suffering that the dog endure, like a human being would be able to recover. And in many cases, the pain and suffering aspect of a human claim is the big part of the claim. Uh, but yes, you would be able to recover if your property was damaged. Yeah, I really have nothing to add out there. We may not consider dog property, but under Florida law, that's exactly what they are. Um, so you could actually recover under the property damage portion of the insurance policy and not the bodily injury. Um, so our fourth question, does, are you supposed to file a report with a business if you slip and fall on their property? What if no one gives you one? And what if you don't think you need to, but you feel hurt later on? Um, whether you are initially in pain um, or not, you need to go ahead and fill out an incident report. Um, I tell all my clients, it's not the truth, it's the proof. And if you fill out an incident report right away, any premises, whether it be you know a store, business owner, if there's video available, they have to preserve that video for possible uh, litigation down the road. Uh, so even if you're not injured, I would still go ahead and fill out an incident report um, because a you need to let the premises owner know of any known danger on the property because unfortunately you fell and we don't want anybody else. Let's say there's water dripping or, or hazard you know somewhere on the premise, they need to be alerted so they can fix that. Um, but as well as it gives us the preservation of evidence we may need down the road to prove it. That's a great point, Beach. And um, you would not believe how many clients come in with no incident report. And they said, well, the, the, the people at the store told me they would file a report. But invariably, they don't do it. And then there's no record of it. Yeah. And, and um... If, if, if for some reason you wake up the next morning and you're sore and for whatever reason you didn't fill out an incident report, 
I always advise people to go back the next day and fill out an incident report then. You don't, um, just because you didn't do it initially um, doesn't mean you can't do it the next day. Um, because one issue that we run into a lot of times, I've run into a case, they wait six months and the employee or manager, whoever's working at the time, is no longer working. And we have no way of tracking down that person to take their deposition to, you know, discuss about the danger on the premises because we don't know who they are. So if you fill out the incident report the day um, after we can know the exact date the fall occurred, and typically we can get the record track down anybody that we may need to take their deposition as well as reserve. Yeah, good, good, good point. So there's two things I recommend that clients do when they fall. And normally they fall on a slippery uh, floor. Is you take your phone and you take a picture of what you fell in. And then you get the, uh, if you fill out the incident report, a lot of times the store won't give it to you, they'll keep it. You take a picture of the incident report. And if they won't let you take a picture of the incident report, get the person's name you fill it out for you, take a picture of the person. Because that is, that at least gives us something to dig our teeth into. I had a client years ago before cell phones had pictures when I first started practicing law who fell in a 7-Eleven and apparently the Coke machine was leaking water and it leaked all across the floor. The guy was so smart because he didn't have a cell phone on him. He went and, and bought a, uh, a camera, a disposable camera from the 7-Eleven and then walked and took a picture of all the water on the floor. And so we had the evidence that we were able to get a great settlement for him. But it was because he thought uh, to do that. that uh, so just thinking for that moment to get a picture of what you found would be huge for us. Yeah, premises cases are difficult cases because we have to prove that the business owner basically created a dangerous situation, knew of a dangerous situation and failed to do anything or the situ dangerous situation had been there long enough that they should have known about it. So the more evidence we can gather, whether it's from me taking pictures, preserving the video, the incident report, the better, because it's gonna be, we're gonna be much better able to prove your case down the road and get you the best possible recovery. Great, I love the way that you're, you're actually citing the law, Beach. The last question is from Lee, and it's, it's not necessarily a legal question, but the question is, what would you be doing if you were not a lawyer? I'll let you go first. So my undergraduate degree is in business. So I, if, if I was working, you know, on the professional side of things, I'd probably some, say something with regards to business or um, investing side of things, wealth management. Um, but if not that, uh, I would say something in sports. Sports was a huge point, part of my life. Um, I'd love to probably have been a coach. The issue with coaching, especially in college athletics, is you spend a lot of time recruiting out on the road. You're going to be away from your wife and kids. Um, and I had a coach one time that told me the best coaches are the worst spouses and parents, and the best parents and spouses are the worst coaches. So it's nothing I never necessarily pursued, but it would be something that I would consider if I wasn't a lawyer um, because I think of sports teaches people a lot of, life lessons, how to deal with failure, hard work, discipline, those type of things. So I'd say one of those two things. How about you? So I, my undergraduate degree was in finance. 
And I love finance. I love the stock market. Um, you know, reading annual reports and reading research on stocks is fun to me. Some people would look at that as work. Um, and then also real estate. I've been buying real estate for years. And I love the game of finding the, the pearl in the, in the oyster and then, you know, the negotiating and all, everything that goes along with that. And, you know, another thing I think I would enjoy would be being a therapist, some kind of therapist. Uh, just I enjoy counseling people, enjoy talking to people through their problems and coaching them. So, you know, any of those things would be fun for me. And, and, and it's funny because, you know, you go to law school and um, you learn everything about the legal side of things. But um, a big part of what we do is, is you know, be a, a soundboard for our clients. Our clients are going through a low point in their life. And sometimes they just want to sit down and talk to someone, whether it be on the phone or in person, um, and just, you know, air their grievances, air what they're going through. Um, so I feel like I've become a much better therapist over the years while working in this um, because we work in a very empathetic profession. To be a successful attorney, you got to be very empathetic and understanding of what your clients are going through. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So thanks for joining us today. Beats, thanks for joining us. And uh, as always, if you have questions or comments, you can email Beach, III at bookslawgroup.com or Steve at bookslawgroup.com. And we will we would love to communicate and talk with you and and just build a relationship. So we will be back next Wednesday at 12:30 for Wednesdays inside with Bob Brooks and hope my Hopefully my voice is better on that. Hope everybody's staying safe and uh, that COVID's still out there. So be careful, wash your hands, wear your mask, stay six feet apart, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us.